and welcome to You Heard It Here First, the show that helps you discover the best that Audible has to offer. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan, and I'm back with more brilliant titles to share with you. On today's show, I'm really excited to tell you all about an adventure on the high seas and a memoir loaded with references to the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Then, later in the show, two lovely guests join me to tell us about an award-winning podcast and a captivating psychological thriller. And once again, we turn the mic around to you to hear about a book, podcast or play you love. So get ready to find your next favourite listen. I'm starting things off today with a featured customer review. Each week, I have a look to find some of your comments on the Audible website to include here. I've picked a review by someone called S.A. for Hijacked Histories by Dominic Sandbrook. Here's what they thought. Gripping history. Incredibly absorbing. Dominic Sandbrook takes us from Soviet Russia to the English Civil War to the Blitz, separating the truth from the lies. Beautifully produced, it is a gripping listen. So many fascinating facts that I listen to the whole thing in one sitting and plan to re-listen again. An outstanding historical podcast, stunningly presented, and an easy listen. Tip top. Thanks, SA. You can find Hijacked Histories by Dominic Sandbrook on Audible. Next up, it's time to hear about a brand new release I've been loving. And this week, I am obsessed with Hellcats. Hellcats tells the amazing and true story of two notorious female pirates, Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. Where do I even begin with Hellcats? The characters. There's Anne Bonny, an heiress to her father's fortune and slave plantation. She's described as having bright red hair and a fiery personality. Then there's Mary Reed, who has spent most of her life as Mark Reed. More on that in a minute. Mary is a little bit gobby, but a proper lad with great banter. She's also one of the most loyal people you'll ever meet. Though they were born hundreds of miles apart in the British Isles, we learn early on that both of their mothers dressed them up as boys as children. For Mary, this meant she pretended to be her deceased brother in order to get his inheritance. For Anne, it was to hide her identity as her father's illegitimate child. Later, Anne ran away from her husband to join pirate Jack Rackham at sea, while Mary worked for the Navy and Army disguised as a boy named Mark. Both of them found freedom in the seas around America. When their worlds collide, a love affair between them ensues, along with plenty of other lovers on their ships and lots of adventures too. Here's a clip which I think really sums up life on board the ship for the two women pirates. But watch out, there's some strong language in it. Where's Master Bonnie? Uh, he was sick. Mark has taken him to rest up in your cabin. He's got a soft heart, that Mark. <laughs> you would do well to take as good care of your crew members, Bucky. I'm sure he's taking damn good care of him. Such good care. <laughs> well, Master Bonnie will soon know who is his master. <laughs> you do that, Captain. You show him. Don't you show worry. Him I will. I will. <laughs> oh, he's a braver man than me. <laughs> it's not right. There's no honour amongst thieves. Nobody makes a fool out of Captain Jack Rackham. Come out, Mark Reed. Fight like a man. I know you're in there. Put your sword away, Jack. You were too drunk to use it anyhow. I'll let you make a fool out of me. You and that rat who promised me loyalty only make merry in my own feather bed. 
Where is he? You said I would be free and equal, and so I am being free. Give me the lad, let me see. Bring the damn lamp! She's in bed. See? What? Hello, Jack. We've been waiting to talk to you. You! You! Yes. God. Not another one aboard ship! Oh, the men won't stand for it! That's the least of your worries. Oh. Mary can pass. She's passed as a man for years. But I can do it no longer. I'm sick. So I heard was too much rum? It is worse than that, Jack. I am with child. Oh, fuck me! See, the dialogue between the characters is really fun and brings you along on the whirlwind. Another phenomenal character that deserves a shout-out is Pierre Bouspey, the tailor to the high-society women in New Providence where Anne lived before she ran off to be a pirate. He is lovable, scheming, and loyal like the rest. He's regularly relied upon by the governor and the pirates when they run into trouble. What I loved the most is that it drops you right in the centre of the action. This is a credit to the phenomenal sound design and Karina Rodney's writing. You can picture the characters and the settings. When they're out at sea, you feel like you're on the ship and it's truly remarkable. There is such a wealth of accents and dialects with 56 voice actors in all. I played this on a speaker and got so lost in it that every once in a while I'd look up for a screen to see what was happening. It's seriously that good a listen. It's written by Karina Rodney, an award-winning writer for stage, screen and radio, and it's directed by Kate Saxon. I can't believe what they've been able to achieve. I thought the pacing was great and there's some gory and shocking moments, but lots of emotion too. It's really about the drive of Mary and Anne to be free from the confines of society, but it also raises loads of really interesting themes of queer love and gender expression. One warning I would give is be careful about reading too much on the Audible website about it. This is one series you definitely don't want to have spoiled. If you're ready to go on a swashbuckling adventure, check out Hellcats on Audible. And once you've fallen in love with Anne and Mary like I did, you can go and see a new statue that's been erected in their honour too. Next, it's time for the Hidden gem section of the show. This is something you might have missed, but I think is great. And this week, I'd like to tell you all about Greetings from Berry Park by Safraz Manzor, a sort of autobiography. Safraz was two years old when his family emigrated from Pakistan to Luton, a town just outside London. As a former Lutonian, I couldn't help but think fondly of the places he mentions as he grows up. The book is the story of his teenage years and life growing up as a Pakistani Muslim in Britain, narrated by him. It's interesting in that the introduction reads more like his dad's biography. Through his retelling of his early years in Luton, you quickly learn that Safraz's identity was undeniably shaped by his dad and Bruce Springsteen. Yes, you heard that correctly. Safraz is obsessed with Bruce Springsteen. We learn about every single Springsteen experience he has in this book, and each time you can't help but feel as excited and tense as he does. I wasn't sure if I'd enjoy an autobiography about someone I didn't know or who wasn't famous, but actually I liked lots about this. For the most part, he details a fairly standard teenage boy experience, wanting to stay out and hang out with friends, seeing your first nude pics, liking girls and finding a job. It's a bit like a Pakistani version of The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole. 
What makes this book worth listening to, though, is how well he describes the prevalence of racism and xenophobia being a part of his everyday life and experience. He explores the challenges of growing up with a different culture to that of your parents. Safraz wants to be a journalist, and while his dad isn't totally opposed, you can hear the difficulty he has accepting this. This book is all about Safraz understanding who he is. You learn about his hometown Luton, his siblings, his best friends, and his life in Manchester, where he moves for university. All of these moments are filled with hilarious and cringeworthy anecdotes that will make you laugh out loud. And there's a really great bit where he sums up his friendship with Amolak, the boy who introduced him to Springsteen's music in the first place. Have a listen, but watch out, there's a swear word in this clip too. I had thought that by telling my father how successful Bruce Springsteen was, it would validate my enthusiasm for him. But he had responded by saying that if I enjoyed music so much, why didn't I try to make money out of it myself rather than making someone else richer? You can't really expect them to understand, can you? I said. I mean, if people of our age think we're weird, what's the chances that our parents are going to get it? The thing about our parents' generation, Molek responded, is that they didn't really have time for hobbies. Take my old man. He came over from India, got treated like a fucking leper, and ended up working on a building site. Before he knew it, he was working like a donkey, carrying bricks up a ladder and breaking his back, so that the rest of us had dialed with our chapatis. I mean, it's not like he's had the time to start stamp collecting or bird watching, is it? So they look at you and me and can't understand the idea of doing something just because we fucking like it. In my new friend, I had found someone else who loved America and hated Luton with the same passion as I did. On his bedroom wall, Amolak had hung a confederacy flag and he would come to work wearing a Stars and Stripes bandana around his neck. Were it not for his turban, he would most likely have strutted around Berry Park in a 10-gallon Stetson. Meanwhile, I was reading On the Road and Studs Turkle. The best part about my friendship with Amolak was the knowledge that I had made a friend for life. We could not choose our families, we might not even be able to choose our spouses, but at least we had the freedom to choose our friends. It's really sweet. I just really liked hearing about their friendship. The book was even turned into a film, complete with scenes from Luton and an amazing Bruce Springsteen soundtrack, though I think the book gives a much deeper insight. So, if you want to hear more about race, religion and rock and roll, download Greetings from Berry Park by Safraz Manzor from Audible Now. And on You Heard It Here First, it's time to hear from some wonderful guests about the books, podcasts or plays they've been loving. First up today, I'm joined by Tom Curry. Hello, Tom. Hey, Amriel. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited you're back. It's so nice to hear your voice. (laughs) What have you chosen for us today? Oh, so it's actually quite sad. It's made by a brilliant documentary maker, a friend of mine, Hannah Mm Walker-Brown. She made this exceptional four-part series called The Beautiful Brain. Now, I am amazed that I'm recommending a football show because (laughs) I cannot tell you football could not be further from my interests Uh, (laughs) but um, it's not really a series about football it's actually more of a a kind of medical mystery Mm. it's this sort of reasonably widely talked about but little known condition called CTE I can't tell you uh, what the actual pronunciation I can have a stab at it but I can't promise it's going to be pronounced correctly (laughs) 
Chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Yes, yeah, that sounds right. Degenerative brain disease. Hannah would probably be shaking her head, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's really a medical mystery about a footballing family called Jeff Astle and his sudden decline and uh, eventual death and how it sets off a kind of domino effect of investigations for Hannah as she sort of digs into this disease more and more. So if if you listen to podcasts quite a lot and you're a fan of Radiolab or a series called Bodies or even, you know, documentaries on, on TV that kind of explore the kind of peculiarities of the human body and, and try and explain when things go wrong and why, yeah. this series is for you kind of thing. I listen to it and I also know of Hannah walker brown as well so i know like anything she touches is going to just sound amazing but yeah what i found incredibly sad was just hearing directly from lorraine jeff astle's wife because she just sounds so incredibly heartbroken throughout but yet it's all underneath the surface of this very chipper and polite and well-to-do woman who wants everyone to be happy and comfortable it's just such an interesting thing to hear them navigate in the story and how Hannah then relates that back to her own life and and her experiences as well. Yeah, and the thing that Hannah is able to do so beautifully, I think, is she built this relationship up with Jeff's wife, uh, Lorraine, and his daughter, Dawn, um, over many, many weeks and months. And that comes across not only in the intimacy of the interviews, but in this real sense of kind of northern grit, almost, Mm. listening to Dawn talk in very vivid detail about the day that her father died. Lorraine, the the wife, just isn't able to discuss it. It's it's still too traumatic for her. And Dawn does such a good job of maintaining her composure throughout and then her voice just starts to crack at the end. And it feels a little bit pathetic almost in a way because nothing's happened to me and yet there you are sort of you get that lumpy feeling in your throat and and it's just it's so so powerful listening to them it's brilliant yeah brilliant let's hear a quick clip of that and I can see him now I was in the kitchen he can see into the in the dining room and he walked they walked in and say my dad was 59 and he looked uh, he looked 159 he was grey, gone. That lovely, bright blue flicker in his eye wasn't there. Um, he was like a shell, really. Like, it's not a happy listen. Obviously, you know, the clip that we've chosen as well is particularly sort of bleak. But I'm not a huge true crime listener. But this definitely felt like it uses all of the packaging and tropes of true crime to really hook you into a story. But it has such a sense of mission. You really feel like Hannah is invested in sort of exploring this topic and trying, you know, through journalism to hold people to account. And it's the kind of thing you listen to and you you just want to, like, I don't know, corner your flatmate and tell them everything you've learned because it's just so outrageous. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks for having me. This podcast is actually award-winning, so why not see what all the fuss is about? You can download The Beautiful Brain from Audible now.
And next, I'm thrilled to welcome a brilliant author to the show, Louise Candlish. Hello, Louise. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Can you start by telling me a little bit about yourself? Goodness, well, you need to know that I'm Gen X um, because that's one of the themes of my new novel, The Other Passenger. So I represent middle-aged people. I'm the author of 14 novels and I live in deepest, darkest South London. (laughs) Brilliant. I can see you're much younger than than Gen X. (laughs) I don't know about much, but a little bit. (laughs) Now, I hear you love audiobooks, which is great. What have you picked for us today? I have picked The Blunderer by Patricia Highsmith. So Mm. it's a vintage pick. She's one of my favourite authors. Most people will know her for The Talented Mr Ripley and Strangers on the Train. Mm -hmm. And this book, The Blunderer, was written in between those two. And I was reading it while I was writing The Other Passenger and I think it was a big influence on me. Brilliant. Can you tell us a little bit about what the book's about? It's a very dark and bleak tale about murder and would-be murder. Mm. We have two main characters, um, Walter and Kimmel. And Walter is this kind of, you know, gorgeous, good-looking, successful guy, young, just married, lives in a beautiful suburb. And he's really intrigued by true crime stories. And he reads one about a a woman who's been murdered. And he thinks he knows who did it and how they did it. And he starts to investigate it. And it kind of chimes with how he's feeling in his marriage. He has these sorts of, you know, urges to kill his own wife. And, Terrifying. and so he, he, it's awful. It's it's a really terrible, very misogynistic tale, actually. It's it's chilling. Mm. He seeks out this guy, Kimmel, and that is a huge mistake, and one mistake leads to another, and it's very hard to get back from that that initial contact that he makes with this very chilling character, Kimmel. So it's vintage Highsmith. It's really, really quite scary. Ooh, this sounds delightful. <laughs> I guess is there a moment in the book that you really, you know, I would just stopped you in your tracks and you just thought wow this is phenomenal yes I mean there's so many but one that really sticks out and I kind of had goosebumps when I was listening to it is when Walter goes to Kimmel's bookshop he runs a bookshop and the two of them are kind of dancing around each other the reader so the listener knows already who has murdered his wife and who hasn't but they don't know whether the other is guilty and they have this kind of um, face off and it's so tense and uncomfortable and and it's just a, an incredible scene. Ooh, wonderful. Let's hear a clip. Kimmel's fat mouth with the heavy seam along the heart-shaped upper lip seemed to Walter the most vulgar thing he had ever looked at. I realize you don't care. I realize all you wish is that you'll never see me again. I came here only to... Walter stopped as a young man came close to the desk and asked, Do you have anything on outboard motorboat machinery? Kimmel stepped around his desk. It was going wrong. Walter had thought out a long dialogue between himself and Kimmel that even allowed for Kimmel's resentment, but which let him say the things he wanted to say. Now he couldn't get them out. He began again when Kimmel came back. Neither do I care whether you are guilty or not, Walter said very quietly. Kimmel who was leaning over his desk where he had just written something in a notebook, turned his head towards Walter. And what do you think? he asked. Walter thought he was guilty. Corby thought so. But did he act guilty? He didn't, Walter thought. What? 
Kimmel asked boldly, straightening up, recapping his fountain pen. That's of prime importance, your opinion, isn't it? I think that you are guilty, Walter said. What was it about that moment that you loved so much? I think the tension between the two of them, it's a book of terrible deeds and terrible desires. And it's a kind of a moment of reckoning Mm. where both of them are trying to discover whether their guilt is apparent or their lack of guilt is apparent to a complete stranger. Because by then they're both embroiled with the same detective who has seen a link between their two cases. And so it really is the kind of moment of reckoning. And before that point, you might be forgiven for thinking it's, you know, it's quite a slow burn kind of novel. But things then start to get, you know, there's a lot more action after that. And it builds to, you know, this terrible climax. But that is the moment, I think, where you see what it is that she is trying to, what the writer is trying to do in terms of sort of the moral message, Mm, I think. mm. The way you described that was beautiful. I could just listen to you narrate this book if you wanted to. (laughs) It's wonderful. Finally, it's time to talk a bit about your work. Can you tell us what you've been up to? Well, I'm literally about to launch the paperback of The Other Passenger, which has been out on audio and ebook for a little while and hardback. So, yeah, all my attention is on that. And that, um, you know, is like a noir. It's a present day book, but it's a thriller and it's got quite noirish elements. And in fact, another Patricia Highsmith story is mentioned in the book. Wonderful. When hapless narrator, another middle aged man who makes one mistake after another. Jamie, um, he's watching the French version of The Talented Mr. Ripley, the movie with Plan Soleil, which if you haven't seen, is a fantastic movie. Mm. And so, yes, I'm talking all about that and reliving. It's set on the Thames. It's set among the river commuters who take the Thames Clipper up and down the Thames. And so it's got a kind of an element of nostalgia that, you know, we couldn't have predicted when I started writing because those clippers aren't working at the moment, I don't think. I think they're all moored up in Greenwich or wherever. So, yeah, talking about that, thinking about the river, thinking about crime, crime in London. Oh, gosh, wonderful. (laughs) Oh, the underbelly of London. It's always such great fodder for stories. Just it's such a rich and vibrant multicultural hub of just greatness, joy and just seediness as well, which I yes. We've all you seen. put it perfectly. And that's what this book is all about. It's about the sort of the gloss and the glamour, but the the envy that underlies a lot of people's experience of London. You know, it is a story about envy, really. And I mentioned um, the generations earlier and, mm. and right at the heart of the book is this tension between Gen X and millennials and these two couples. We begin by, you know, thinking they're, they're wonderful, charismatic people with this great friendship. And by the end, you've totally changed your mind I think about all four of them oh wonderful I can't wait to check it out maybe we'll get to review it on the next yeah series. well actually the audio is read by Steve McIntosh who is one of my all-time favorite actors and he is an amazing this is easily my favorite of my audio books and he's just oh, done wonderful. the most incredible job so, so you must listen to it rather than yes yeah I mean, obviously you would are, but... I probably will yeah <laughs> that would be your first choice format but that would be my he first really choice. is he's done an amazing job and um it's been you know such a gift i'm really proud that he's involved yeah, with this one very lucky thank you so much louise thank you the blunderer was the third of patricia's whopping 22 novels and is the second book she published under her own name you can find it on audible now If you're loving what we've had to say so far, share your favourite episode with a friend today. And now it's time to hear from another author whose book you'll find on Audible. 
Every week on You Heard It Here First, we feature a gem from our sister podcast, Audible Sessions. This week, I've chosen a clip from Alistair Campbell's session. Alistair is a British journalist and broadcaster, but he's probably best known for his work as an aide to the former Prime Minister, Tony Blair. His new book, Living Better, explores a different side of his life, his long battle with depression. He joined Holly to chat about living better and what it's like to talk about his mental health all the time. I don't mind it because I will say, yeah, I'm really not good at the moment. I'm very open about it now. And I think that, you know, yeah, I don't go around. I don't wear a badge sort <laughs> yeah. of saying, you know, I am really depressed. I, I wouldn't do that. But if somebody started that conversation, I, I might say that. Mm-hmm. And I certainly do it now with Fiona and with the kids. I will say I'm going through a bad spell. But no, I like that. I, I like the fact that it means people are talking about it. Mm. And that's part of what I'm trying to do with others to get this whole thing to a different place. It means they're talking about it. It keeps reminding me that it's universal. And, you know, there is something nice about people saying, it helps me if I hear you talking about it because I don't maybe express it like that, but sometimes you say it in a way that that makes me think, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. And then you talk about getting through it. And I like that when people say that from a kind of straightforward vanity point of view, if you like. But it also, I always say to them, yeah, but I do it also because it makes me feel better. I feel better for talking about it. That's a side of Alistair Campbell that I never quite expected to hear about and see. It was really quite nice to learn about his battle with depression uh, in this Audible session because I actually only know him for his politics and his celebrity. So it is very good that he's using his platform to be open and honest about something as serious as depression because it is very widespread. So I commend him for it and I really enjoyed this session. To hear more about Alistair's journey, listen to his full Audible session now and check out his book, Living Better. And finally, it's time for our Listener's Corner, where we hear about a book, podcast or play that you think everybody should be listening to. Today's review comes from Eunice. Here's what she's fallen in love with. Hey, Emerald. A book I listened to recently that I really enjoyed is Ordinary People by Diane Evans. And I really loved it because it was such an honest portrayal of love and relationships. I really loved how it's set in the Black community and it's almost a love letter to London. And I also really love that one of the main characters, Melissa, is has just become a mum. And around the time I read this book, I think it really resonated with me because I just become a mum myself. And it's really colourfully written and... Um, I think it's not for everybody because I've read reviews where people have said, or, you know, there's not much plot and not a lot happens. But I loved it because, you know, the title of it is Ordinary People because it's kind of showing ordinary life, but how complicated uh, we are as, as human beings as we try and figure out this thing called life. So while nothing major may happen through the stories, there's a lot going on with the characters and it's really you know, I just love the depth of it. Thanks, Eunice. That sounds so dreamy. I'm so glad you could relate to this story. If you'd like to try Ordinary People by Diana Evans, you can find it on the Audible website. Eunice, you get two free credits to enjoy some more great audio from Audible. That's all for now, but thanks to everybody who sent in their reviews. It was really fun to hear from you all. 
And sadly, that's all for this episode of You Heard It Here First. In case you missed any of the titles we recommended today, here they are again. Hijacked Histories by Dominic Sandbrook. Audible Original Hellcats. Greetings from Berry Park by Safraz Manzoor. Audible Original The Beautiful Brain. The Blunderer by Patricia Highsmith. Alistair Campbell's Audible Session. And our listener's corner was Ordinary People by Diana Evans. I'm so sad to say this is the final episode of this series, but I have loved listening to so many great titles from Audible and hearing what you've been raving about too. If I had to pick my top three favourites, I'd have to say, and in no particular order, Hellcats, I'm Not Your Baby Mother by Candice Brethwaite and Lote by Shola von Reinhold. But they've all been great and you can find them on the Audible website now. You've been listening to You Heard It Here First, an Audible original produced by Content is Queen. Presented by me, Imriel Morgan, additional voices by Richard Hodson, and featuring Tom Curry and Louise Candlish. It was produced by Ellie Clifford. Original music was by Seth Bradford. For Audible, the executive producer was Holly Newson. The production executive was Hayley Nathan. And the commissioning editor was Kent DePinto. Pinto.